All right, welcome back to another very special interview episode of Talking Comics. Uh, I'm your regular host, Bobby. I'm here with Steve. Hey, guys. Bob. Hi. And Rob is once again with us. Hello. But we are joined by a very special guest, artist on Morning Glories, Joe Isma. Hi. How you doing, Joe? I'm great. How are you guys? Um, I want everybody to know out there that because of Stephanie's and Joe's feud, I forbid her from being on the show this week. Um... <laughs> So that's why she's not here. No, she's it's actually her punishment. It's her punishment. Uh, I didn't want you know I didn't want to incite any riots from Joe on the show because yeah. he seems like a very volatile guy from the time we've talked to him. <laughs> <I know. laughs> and you know I, I, you have to make sure to have the right uh, M and M's in in the dressing room. <laughs> <laughs> but the um, shopkeeper and his son were a different story altogether. <laughs> I had to beat them to death with their own shoes. <laughs> A little Wayne's World 2 in there. Love that movie. Yeah. Nice. Love that movie. Nice. Um, so, Joe, I, you, well, what do you think of Wayne's World 2, Joe? Let's start off the real, the real serious <laughs> questions here. Uh, well, it's not as good as Wayne's World 1, but, I mean, you know, the roadie guy makes that movie. Yeah. Uh, I forget his name. It, like, totally escapes me right now, but, but yeah, he's um, great. It'll come to me. I'll... <laughs> yeah. I'll uh... So, Joe, hard words on Wayne's World 2. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> moving into... Uh, more pertinent talk. Del Preston. Del, that's Del exactly Preston. Right. That's right. How could you How forget you a name like that? That's so like singular. I now. watched that movie four <laughs> times in one week about a month and a half ago. So <laughs> really? holy cow! Well, yeah. Well, you know, like I, I'm friends with uh, with Nick Patera, who draws uh, Manhattan Projects, and uh, Charles Paul Wilson, who does Stuff a Legend. But like, we'll Skype like late at night drawing, and we'll talk about. Because Nick is he's kind of like the man about town, seeing lots of ladies, and uh, we'll talk about this girl, whatever girl he met, and I'm like, is she a is she a babe? Is she a robo babe? And then we'll, we'll just kind of go into the whole Gar thing. She's Abraham Lincoln. Oh my god, that's awesome. That's awesome. So who knew that would be so pertinent to what we were just yeah. talking about? It all comes around. Um, it's kind of like morning glories. Uh, so um, I like to start out every interview, kind of asking first about Wayne's World, obviously, and then about how you got started uh, in the comics industry? Um, well, my first book came out in 2008 from this tiny company in from Dallas called Viper Comics, and the book was called A Dummy's Guide to Danger, Lost at Sea. Um, so, yeah, that was my first published work, and I just kept working with the same writer on a couple other books before uh, I met Nick Spencer uh, online at the Brian Michael Bendis Chinks World message boards. And, uh, you know, he and I just kind of hit it off. He, he wanted to know if I'd read his pitch uh, for Morning Glories, and I loved it. And uh, that was summer 2009, and, you know, we started on Morning Glories uh, at that point. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically the, the abbreviated version. <laughs> um, but I, uh, did you start out wanting to be in the comic book industry, or did you start out um, kind of going for something else? Uh, well, you know... I, when I was in high school, I wanted to be a comic artist. I, I really, that was, because that was like the, high, the heyday of image. You know, my, my style was definitely derivative of Jim Lee and J. Scott Campbell and those guys. So that's what I wanted to do. But the more I, I worked at it, the more I realized how long it took to actually draw a page. And I just didn't have the attention span for that as a teenager. Mm-hmm. I was just more interested in seeing girls and playing guitar. So I just kind of gave up on it at that point. So I forgot about it for a few years. And I went to college, and I studied film uh, instead. And uh, trying to find a job in that industry after college, you know, didn't really pan out. So I went to grad school for video game design. And one of my professors had actually worked for Rob Liefeld. 
he was uh, he drew a, a really short-lived Youngblood series for him. Okay. So that kind of got me back into comics. This was around 2004, and uh, that was uh, kind of rekindling my interest in comics. And I thought, you know, maybe I'll give comics another shot. So it took me a few years uh, from that point, from 2000. I graduated in 2005, so 2005 to 2008. That was kind of like my uh, working years to try and break in. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Um, Rob, I think you had like a video game kind of question there. Well, yeah. Did did you get to actually work on any games? Like, do any art design or? Yeah, I mean, that was you know the whole thing. It was really a real intense program. It was eighteen months, and every three months we had to do. Well, the first three months was a two D kind of side scrolling game that I did, basically rip off of Metroid. Oh, nice. And Ooh, yeah, and yeah. then the next semester was uh, we did a um, Unreal two thousand four mod, and. Uh, mine was kind of like this medieval shooter, if you can imagine. Uh, oh, that's I know they didn't, cool. have, they didn't have guns back then, but we had, they had crossbows and uh-huh. uh, bow guns and stuff like that. And then the last project was a Half-Life 2 mod. Oh, and, wow, cool. Yeah, it was, uh, I was art lead on that. And that was a lot of fun. Uh, worked on a really cool game, and the, the Valve guys, I mean, everybody, like, they were really into it and everything. And, and we had, in Dallas, which is where the school was, there's a lot of local developers. There's id... There's mm-hmm. Gearbox, um, a lot ritual ensemble when they were still around. Mm-hmm. So we would have a lot of industry guys come in and, and uh, you know critique our work, and they really enjoyed it. So, yeah, really cool. Um, so are you still a pretty big gamer? Yeah, you know, I, I still work freelance in games. It's, it's kind of like my day job. We do I do iPhone apps, uh, kind of freelance at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't get to play as many games as I like. Like. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I kind of broke down and, and bought Chrono Trigger for my iPhone. Ooh, nice. nice. I, I have that. I, I played and beat that game years ago, but and I, and it's kind of stupid to double dip on a game like that. But I didn't care because I just like I didn't want to tr- hook up my Super and Nintendo again and mm-hmm. deal with all that crap. So I was like, you know, it's just on the phone. I'll just I'll pay the eight bucks or whatever it was. <laughs> so I've been playing that and trying not to let it suck up all my time. You know, that's, <laughs> that's I think, one of the pitfalls a lot of comic artists fall into is the video games mm-hmm. uh, pitfalls. And I think that's why a lot of books are late. But that's not why Morning Glories is late. So, <laughs> Excellent. Just getting that out there. Just making sure you yeah. know it's not because of video games that Morning Glory yeah. is late. Okay. Well, yeah. That's good to know. Um, so you said you met Nick on the message board and you yeah. guys kind of, he pitched you and he hit it off. Um, as you go along, I mean, obviously Nick's the writer and you're the artist, but do you have input on the creative process of how it gets plotted, or does it all come from Nick and you just take his ideas and create what you create? It's a, it's mostly him. There are things that he lets me run with. Uh, the I don't know if he, you know, I'm sure he doesn't care that I tell people this, but he really hates writing action scenes. Okay. I'm I'm pretty sure I guess a lot of writers do because I guess that's pretty boring, you know, to, to choreograph a fight scene panel one. Right punch, panel two, left punch. You know, you don't want to do that. That's boring. Right. So, uh, for instance, we had, I think it was issue 18. It was a Jun spotlight issue. Uh, there was a sequence near the beginning where he gets into a fight with his twin brother. And Nick was just like, they fight. And then the last panel on the last page, he's like, this needs to happen. The rest <laughs> of it, he just left it to, yeah, he just left it up to me. That's and that's fun. great. You know, I prefer it that way. And I, I think most artists do. They want to have that freedom to just stretch their wings every once in a while because, in all honesty, yeah, this story is very, it's very dense and it's very much a product of Nick's imagination and he knows 
kind of like the gatekeeper. He knows where everything's going. You know, I'll suggest things like panel layouts, uh, you know, different shots we could do. There was one sequence in the issue I'm working on right now that started out as a splash page. I was like, hey, 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 can we do this? A double page splash? Because we don't get too many of those. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll talk about it. It's mostly my contribution isn't necessarily like, well, I don't think this character would say this. It's more of uh, the visual aspect. Like, I may disagree with, you know, the way he might lay out a page on his in his script. I'm like, well, maybe we should try it this way instead, mm. you know, for example. Gotcha. Steve, you had some intriguing questions about kind of the, the actual yes. like geography and layout of Morning yeah. Glories. I actually have like a <laughs> kind of like a two-part question. Okay. All right. All right. Um, where do you pull your inspiration uh, from for the design of the Morning Glories Academy? Like, was there a particular film that helped shape the look of the school, or did you visit uh, campuses for inspiration? Well, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, Thank you. You know, the uh, <laughs> uh, actually the the school itself uh, is really essentially my university that I went to uh, uh, years ago. I'm actually uh, I just realized, and this really dates me, and I can't believe I'm saying this. I graduated ten years ago this year, <laughs> so it's just like oh god. But anyway, uh, I went to school in, in Waco, Texas, at this little university called Baylor, and. Um, uh, it's really small conservative Baptist University, but I really love the design of it. It's, it's red bricks, you know, kind of your classical university look. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks kind of New Englandish, I think, in some respects. Yeah. So uh, I really didn't scout it per se because I went there for three years, and um, I, I had pretty strong memories of things. I, you know, I I did pull reference pictures off the internet just to you know refresh things, but I didn't go right. down there. But yeah, like the school itself is very much influenced by Baylor, and uh, Alex doesn't color it exactly the way Baylor looks, but you know, it, it, design-wise, uh, it's very much uh, like Baylor. You know, as for like films or anything, there really weren't too many uh, that I looked to. But you know, there there are some sequences where we're kind of in the future or whatever mm-hmm. of the school, and it's kind of like this bombed out. Uh, you know, ghetto-y version of itself. Uh, strangely enough, like, one of the things that I, I thought of was this film called Session 9. I don't know if anybody yeah. ever saw it. Yep, totally. Yeah, yeah. That that really spooky asylum, uh, that's kind of what I go back to when we, when we do those kind of scenes. That's awesome. Uh, cause, yeah, because I, I love... I mean, that movie, I don't think, got enough praise because I, I think it's creepy as hell. Yeah, no, it's very under the radar. I remember when uh, when I found it that uh, everybody was, like, raving about it. It was one of those, you know, underground movies. Um, yeah. My other, the other part to that question is, and you might have already uh, answered this, but um, do you have, a like, a blueprint or a general layout for the Academy, or do you just, like, to reference, or do you just create rooms as they're needed? No, I do. I, I have a I have a campus map, and actually, the campus map did appear in the book. Uh, I think you know. Let me. I, I mean, I can't. Remember. I think it was issue fourteen, maybe. Okay. Uh, it was on a desk or it was on a table. Uh, oh. Hodge, yeah, Hodge is running down into the dungeon, and Daremount and Gribbs right. are. Oh yeah. wow! Okay. That's the campus map, but Nick made me obscure it because he doesn't want to show the campus map yet. <laughs> right. So, Okay, for wow. my sakes, yeah, I have a campus map diagrammed out where everything is, I, and like you know the like actual class buildings and stuff. I don't have those like like architecturally laid out or anything. I know mm-hmm. where the boys' dorms are, the girls' dorms. Um, I just kind of you know don't really have. I just kind of generalize like where I think 
a particular class or whatever is taking place at. But yeah, I have a I have a map, but I'm not allowed to show it. <laughs> I always cool. picture it. Yeah, I always picture it like the old uh, Clue board game. Yeah, so it, it just always pops in my head like that. So like, where would this room be? Is Hodge it? in the library with the candlestick. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh huh. Yes. The, the cylinder. Um, Well, kind of bouncing off that, uh, we got a question from a listener, Steph G, um, with a no. So the characters in Morning Glories are great. Did you draw from real life people to create them, or these people that you wished you had known in high school? (laughs) Uh, You know, it's really uh, a mix. When we started out on this book uh, two years ago, Kali, Nick sent me some very basic descriptions. Uh, you know, Casey, blonde, beautiful, all-American girl, whatever. Um, and then, you know, he would say maybe kind of echoing this. Like, in particular, Casey, I think he was – he kind of pointed me towards uh, Blake Lively in the early seasons of Gossip Girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, she has that definite schoolgirl look going on. Um, uh, one other particular that I can think of uh, for Zoe – uh, was Jordana Brewster? Um, oh, from, totally, yeah. totally. Yeah, from films like The Faculty. Mm-hmm. That is who I see whenever I draw Zoe, and that's who I picture. I mean, I know realize I realize now she's like in her thirties, and if if there was like an adaptation, she would be way too old for the part. But <laughs> yeah. if if it was Jordana Brewster from ten or fifteen years ago, then that's who I would pick uh, to play Zoe. Um, Pamela, uh, who is one of my absolute favorite characters, mm-hmm. is Kristen Bell. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. The magic that words. Is, yeah. Definitely see that. Because <laughs> uh, she has those really exaggerated expressions, which I like. Mm-hmm. Um, Jade is really kind of based on. Um, man, it sounds terrible. I can't remember her name, but the girl from Sucker Punch, the main girl, the one who played Baby Doll. Emily uh, if you Browning. Browning, yes. Yeah, Emily Browning. Yeah, if you if you see her with, when she's not all baby dolled up, she's got red like brown hair or mm-hmm. reddish hair and. Uh, that's facially her, her facial structure is uh, pretty much how I draw Jade um, and then you know uh, there, there are lots of you know people that are just kind of you know kind of amalgamated from people that I've known uh, in my life uh, we've got you know we've got this new group of students that are starting to feature up in this new arc that we're starting called the Truants uh, and one of the girls who actually appeared in the first issue her name was Vanessa uh, She's based on some girls I knew in college and one girl that I had a crush on in high school. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so yeah, there, there's a mix. I mean, yeah, I'll look at actors or I'll just draw from real life, um, you know, it, just wherever uh, things come from. And then, too, you know, I, I can't discount, uh, especially for the main cast, the main six, uh, early on, you know, our cover artist, Rodin, uh, he and I just kind of, you know, he would design things and I would take things from his designs and he would take things from my designs and, mm-hmm. you know, we just kind of go from there. Yeah, I mean, those covers are fantastic. They're beautiful. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Bob? Yeah, uh, Joe, you mentioned earlier some of your stylistic influences. Now, as your uh-huh. own work ha- has evolved, have those changed? Have you picked up bits and pieces from other sources as well? Yeah, you know, when I started this book, uh, the biggest influence on me was Adrian Alfona from Runaways, mm-hmm. um, and he still is. He's still a huge influence on my on my work. And you know, I, my desk, I have a, a huge selection of Runaways comics that I'm always pulling out just for because I think he just his delicate lines and 
his expressions, you know, I love that. And Steve McNiven was another guy, and I know his style is more Marvel-centric and more superhero-centric, but he's got really clean lines and really uh, just well-contoured lines that I liked. Um, but as I've gone on, yeah, I've definitely picked up, you know, definitely, definitely some different influences, like um, Naoki Urasawa, uh, who's a manga, a manga artist, who's done Pluto, 20th Century Boys, and Monster. Uh, he's been a huge influence, and it's definitely kind of revolutionized how I approach drawing the comic and storytelling. Uh, you know, that that's probably the biggest one. And then, you know, as I kind of got more into lock and key, uh, Gabriel Rodriguez, mm-hmm. uh, like, there, there's something that like, I always go back to is that the way they do kind of static shots in that book, it's just amazing to me. Like, they can they can hold the camera shot in a single frame, whatever, and repeat it. But every like the way he moves the characters around, you know, from panel to panel, it's just amazing. Like I have yet to be able to like duplicate that, and I'm just because we we do a lot of duplicated panels and whatnot in our book, but it's not. I don't feel like we. I've got to the point that, that Gabriel's at in Lock and Key where he can hold that camera, but have the characters move around in that same shot, and it just looks great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I love Lock and Key, uh, and. I've said it before, but you're pretty much like my dream artist to to do a, a kind of fill in on that book. I would oh, love to you. see you do that. Aww. It would fit, it would fit so well. Well, well thanks. Speaking of fill ins, you had a question about a fill in that uh, Joe is doing. Yeah. Uh, so you're jumping in on Higher Earth. Uh, how did that come about? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm doing Higher Earth number five from Boom. Uh, it's funny. Like I I had met. Well, Sam Humphreys is a writer I just mm-hmm. love. I love his work. Um, you know, I, I basically was the same as everybody else. I hadn't, had, hadn't heard of this guy. But then everybody kept talking about, our love is real. Our love is real. <laughs> That's such a great book. Like, yeah, I was like, i got to check this out. Oh, right. I bought it. Yep. Yeah. Like, what I talked the about hell the is this? It's so bizarre. Yeah, uh-huh. it was so good. I liked it. And, it, yeah, it made me check out his other stuff. I love Sacrifice now. That's probably, like, my favorite of mm-hmm. his at this point. Um but yeah, so I kind of Facebook stalked him. <laughs> like I, I friended him, and I'm like, "Hey, I love your work. You know, if you ever need an artist for anything, you know, let me know." And I figured, you know, yeah, whatever. He'd never write me back. But you know, he wrote back. He's like, "Oh yeah, cool. I like Morning Glories." I'm like, "No way, that's great." And then I didn't hear anything for a while. Uh, but then he and I met in person at Emerald City Con this year uh, in Seattle, and you know, we had a, we kind of hit it off. We were like. Yeah, we really should work on something, but you just schedules weren't lining up, and he finally wrote me at the end of June, and it's like, hey, I've got this fill-in for Higher Earth. Do you think you could do it? And it just kind of happened that my schedule had kind of opened up a little bit uh, with the way Nick was sending me script. I was having a lot, you know, a lot more free time, so I was like, yeah, you know, I think I might be able to manage this. And th- there was, an, you know. A, period right before I started uh, I didn't think I was going to be able to make it work because I was going to have to juggle two books at once uh, but I managed to get it done and you know what was nice a big selling point from him for me was you know, it's only 22 pages I'm like oh thank god because like <laughs> Morning Glorious has never had a 22 page issue so I was like yeah, I can totally knock out a 22 page issue no problem so yeah and it was so much fun like uh, I, I love the concept of the book because I'm a big science fiction fan, mm-hmm. and you know, Morning Glories is science fiction, but it's kind of in a different subset of science fiction. This is definitely more. I mean, I hate to say cosmic because it's not necessarily cosmic, but um, 
you know, one thing that, you know, I mean, Sam and I are really big fans of uh, Akira. Um, oh, yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think we kind of both had a mutual uh, influence, you know, for that on the book. Uh, I love one of the things that, that I brought to the issue uh, that I watched over and over while I was drawing was uh, Aeon Flux, the cartoon. Uh, it used to be on MTV years ago. Yep. Not the movie with Charlize Theron. <laughs> no, we'll forget uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that that was probably, it was, you know, Akira and Aeon Flux. And then, strangely enough, like Jim Starlin's old books from the 80s, uh, Dreadstar. I uh-huh. love, oh. love those old books. So those were kind of like the big influences on that book. So, you know, yeah, it was fun to do something that was kind of honoring those influences uh, for once. And then, you know, to do something outside of something that was, you know, really heavily influenced by Lost and, you know, whatever. I know. I mean, it must have been like a sigh of relief just to be able to jump out and get out of the Academy for a bit. And uh, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I saw some of the preview art, and it, it's absolutely beautiful, great landscapes. And, uh, yeah, know, thanks. That, that, was, that was probably my favorite part was the fact that within, like, the first five or so pages, like, we're just jumping around from different worlds. So... You know, I got to. It was it was intimidating because, you know, basically what I've done for two years is draw, you know, really earthbound locations and a school. You know, a school. I mean, we you know, in Morning Glories, we jump around from locations, but you know, we're, we're definitely rooted in our reality. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was nice about Higher Earth was, you know, you just got to kind of stretch that, and yeah, it's Earth, but it's you know a different reality. So, yeah, that that was probably my favorite aspect. Excellent. Roger. Bob, do you have a question sure. for Joe? Sure, absolutely. Um, you mentioned you know, you're doing a different book here. Is there a character at the big two, you know, one of the old-fashioned superhero characters you'd want a shot at? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I was a Marvel zombie growing up, uh, <laughs> so I was always about the X-Men, and that was kind of like my, my brass ring right there was the X-Men. Um, you know, my favorite character is Nightcrawler, but, you know, he's dead, so. <laughs> you could always bring uh, him back. Yeah, yeah, they always bring him back. So, you know, I'm like, you know, maybe if I wait long enough, they'll, <laughs> they'll bring him back. Because, uh, yeah, my, my favorite comic from Marvel uh, has always been Excalibur. Uh, oh, yeah, one, definitely. Love Excalibur. Alan Davis and Chris Claremont. And that was probably, like, the one book I would, I mean, nobody buys would buy that book these days. Because, you know, they did the Captain Britain in my 13 book with Paul Cornell that was just brilliant and it got canceled after what 12 issues you know yeah but um yeah something like that that would be uh something fun that I that I would love to do and, you know in like just in the past like five or six years doing all these conventions you know I get a lot of DC character requests so I've kind of gotten you know I'm, I'm not really I don't know everything about the DC universe I know you know they've rebooted everything but mm-hmm. uh you know I I've really kind of taken uh uh, affectation for like like Batgirl and, and Zatanna, uh, you know. If I if oh. I had a chance to work on you know those characters, that would be great too. Very cool, great, thanks, Steve. Yes, I have a question. Uh, moving back over to to Morning Glories for a second, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to know: Is there any one character that you enjoy drawing more than others? And by the same token, is there any character that you would hate to see leave the series, either through death or other means? <laughs> Yeah, well, that's a good question. Um, I'm full of them yeah, tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you're, you're hitting all the cylinders. <laughs> um, you know, uh, 
when I started out, Jade was my favorite character, uh, and nobody liked her. And I think maybe there was a part of me that was like, you know, she's the underdog, so I like her. But, uh, but no, no, like what I liked about Jade was uh, one she had. I really was really into her design. Like I really felt like uh, really strongly about her design, her kind of emo anime hair and the heavy makeup and just the over-exaggerated expressions. Uh, I love drawing that. Expressions are probably like my favorite thing to draw. Yeah, there's uh, tons of that in that book. With all the, <laughs> well, obviously all the human characters, but I was looking through volume three today and just yeah. noticing how many different expressions in which like all these different expressions you have to draw for each scene. Do you sit in front of a mirror and... Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a mirror and then, you know, I'll take my own photograph, you know, when I need it. So, uh, and, it, it, and it's always fun too when, you know, my wife walks in like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> that must be so like, awkward. Well, you do that too long, you're going to stay that way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, these days I think um, I really enjoy drawing Ike a lot lately just because he's so evil mm-hmm. and such a bastard. Um, <laughs> yeah. vil- villains are always more fun, I think. <laughs> um, as for a character, I'd hate to see leave, you know, uh, at this point, I, really, I would really hate to see Pamela written out of the book, like, forever, uh, just because she's been in the book so little, and she's just such a great character, I think, and so much fun, and, and you think that she's kind of one note, but I, I know there's more to her than this, you know, psychotic RA. Right. <laughs> so, uh, she's one, I think, that would be a shame if we didn't kind of embellish on a little bit more. Um, you know, her and Laura probably at this point, because I think Laura is definitely, we're fleshing her out a lot, especially after issue 20. I think we've, you know, we really kind of brought some more depth to her. And I think that uh, she's probably one of our, surprisingly, one of our more well-rounded characters. Uh, and, you know, she's, she's a lot of fun to draw, too. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, another one of our listeners, uh, Leanne, Want to ask you? She had a couple questions for you, but um, one of the I think one of the more entertaining questions is: Does Morning Glories Academy have school dances and such? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, you know, I I imagine that they do. I mean, they have a cheerleading squad. You know, they've got to have some sense of normalcy for some things. The one thing that I've never understood, though, uh, and this is just me, uh, and I'm sure you know maybe. If I had asked Nick, maybe he would explain it. But, like, they have a cheerleading squad, you know, and I'm sure they have sports, but who do they play? (laughs) It's true. Xavier. They play Xavier, obviously. I've never really thought about that before. Uh, But, yeah, no, I I imagine they would have, like, a prom. I -hmm. I think that would be a fun thing to do, Uh, you know. uh, And, actually, I did a series of kind of character studies uh, a year ago where I just kind of – because – Honestly, you know, drawing the kids in the same outfits all the time really gets old. Like, and I, I, I know we have to keep it like that for continuity. Uh, but when we started our second arc, I was really looking forward to putting the kids in different outfits. But Nick would constantly refer back to scenes from, or I'm not sorry, the second arc, the third arc. Uh, Nick would constantly refer refer to the second arc in the third arc. So I was like, I got to keep them in the same clothes because otherwise it's not going to maintain continuity. So. I needed to kind of get that out of my system, so I did like the series of the kids, like three different outfits, uh, and that was fun. Mm-hmm. Just you know what I thought they would wear. So somebody had suggested that I do like a Morning Glories prom like set, and I never got around to it, but I, I definitely want to because uh, I think that would be fun. Very cool, very very cool. Um, 
I guess in a, a more deep question, she also asked, will Bell's theorem be referenced? Is it significant to the strange shenanigans, time travel, bending of space, mind control going on in the school? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't think that was in there, you know, indeliberately. I think that that was definitely, you know, Bell's theorem, that is definitely a, a, a you know, something that, you, I mean, Nick was really deliberate with that. I mean, he won't tell me, you know, like, I, I can't pry all these things out of him. Right. Uh, I, I have pried certain things out of him. And and it's funny, too, because uh, we were at a signing together because, you know, we, we don't get together oh. in person too much because he's over in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um but we were at a signing in Austin, Texas together, and a fan <laughs> managed to get him to spill some secrets. And I was like, holy crap, I'm like, this Ooh. is like a significant moment. Somebody else is managing to get you to spill secrets, because he is so guarded about all that stuff. Right. But yeah, no, I, I, it's, uh, it's definitely part of, I guess, the, uh, the lexicon or whatever, uh, the mystique. Every, you know, it's definitely important to the story. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Very cool. Well, I have a tie-in question from a listener, Sarah, and she'd like to know, is there any truth to, the, truth to the rumor that there's a clear set arc for this whole story, that all the loose ends can be tied up, whether it's this year, next year, five years down the road? Um, well, you know, that's, you know, that, that's interesting. Um, there is a plan, um, but Nick has left himself enough leeway that if he if we happen upon a tangent while we're doing an arc or whatever, that we can go on that arc for a little while, but come back oh, to the good. greater narrative. Um, because, you know, he has told me, when, whenever he first pitched this story to me, he was like, you know, I can't do this unless it's an ongoing. And I'm like, okay, that's good for me, sounds good. You know, I, I like the idea of having, like, job security of working on an <laughs> ongoing. That's great. Um, but uh, his his max number of issues has fluctuated every time. You know, first it was like 75 issues. Then it was 100. Then it went back to 75. And then it, was, it stayed 100 for a while. And then I got a call from him a couple of months ago, and it was like, yeah, I think that I could do 125. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, at this point, I'm just like, okay, whatever, dude. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, he, you know, he's got a plan. But, you know, I, I think it would be insane for him to uh, have everything basically – lined up on a like on a on a bulletin board or whatever and like checked off like you know okay you know like have every issue mapped out like i think you know what i think makes more sense is to have okay beats like you know um, yeah. mapped out like okay this needs to happen then this and then this but this can only happen if what whatever happens and so you know we hit these beats or whatever and while we're hitting these beats you know we may happen upon like you know like i said like a tangent you know, something we may discover that Pamela is, you know, I don't know, really a dude or something. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> and we need to explore that storyline. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. And yeah, and you know, so we, we we have the you know the freedom to do that. But I, I think we're we're very cognizant of like the way people reacted to, for instance, the the, uh, the ending of Lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that you don't want to. I don't want to cheat anybody. I don't want. I don't want anybody to think, oh, they were dead the whole time or whatever. You know, like, no, that, that's, that's definitely a cheat. And, you know, I, I know we're not looking to do anything like that to the readers. Gotcha. Great. Cool. Um, Steve. Yes. I know you had some questions about kind of influences and people that Joe loves, other artists, other things like that. You want to? Yeah. Um, no, I think he mentioned a few of them earlier, but just very simply, um, who were some of your favorite artists when you were growing up? Yeah, growing up, John Byrne was probably 
my favorite. Um, you know, nice. I loved his X Men, uh, Fantastic Four. Uh, I'm still. I, I just bought him one of another one of his uh, Fantastic Four Visionary trades and rereading it. Um, you know, and I mentioned Jim Starlin. I was really his work actually had a profound effect on me early on because I think I was like five when I got the death of Captain Marvel. Oh wow. <laughs> That's, That's a heavy book. Yeah, very heavy. Yeah, <laughs> and I remember reading this. I'm like, oh my! I mean, it was five year old. I'm like, this isn't like you know, the Superman that I or Spider Man <laughs> that I just bought at yeah. the grocery store. <laughs> and to this day, I still don't know how I got a hold of that because, like, you know, I don't think a comic shop would sell that to a five year old. But eh, you know, who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and then you know, I, I mentioned that Jim Lee was a big one for me. You know, back in the '90s. Um, uh, but yeah, you know, these days, you know, definitely, um, you know, still Adrian Alphonian, now Kurosawa, and Gabriel Rodriguez. Um, Frank Cho is another artist that I just, I love. Because, uh, I mean, he draws the hottest women. Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> around. And, you know, uh, he, he's kind of where I aspire to be, you know, how, how to draw women. So, you know, because I, I like to draw curvy girls, and he draws the curviest girls. Mm-hmm. So. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, his is uh, his work's a big influence. But you know, I, I really love uh, you know independent stuff too that I, I come across. Like um, uh, it's gonna sound really weird. Jeffrey Brown. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. Uh, he does these really kind of crudely drawn books about like his personal life. Uh, he did this one recently, uh, like Darth Vader and Son or something like that. Uh, <laughs> okay, it was like a Star Wars kind of parody book. Uh, I love his stuff. I just, you know, I'm 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 like all over the place with comics. I love Craig Thompson, you know, Blankets, Habibi. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, his, his stuff is fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, the, I, I I'm always looking, you know, for stuff that just kind of is not the norm or whatever. Because I got really burned out on books from the big two because a lot of it just started to to look alike. I'm not saying that those guys aren't talented, but you know. Like these days, like you can find so much great stuff. Like it, like it. I mean, it sounds like I'm shilling for the company, but <laughs> like an image. But like you know, Chew Rob Guillory is fantastic. Uh-huh. You know, I got to give it up for Nick Patera on Manhattan Projects. I mean, to me, he he makes that book happen because mm-hmm. Jonathan Hickman, he's a great writer, but a lot of his stuff is really cerebral and stuff. And I think Patera adds like enough kind of wackiness to it that just gives it a real charm. And that makes, I think, Manhattan Projects one of the best books that are out there right now. And uh, let's see who else. Oh, Charles Paul Wilson III. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, Stuff of Legend. He's, uh, he's doing a Morning Glories oh, commission for me. Oh, I love that me. book. Yes. And uh, I can't wait for everybody to see it. It's actually going to go uh, up online tomorrow or I don't know when you guys are in. So it will probably throw people off <laughs> when they listen. Uh, but uh, yeah, he did a Morning Glories commission. You know, he does all these poo-style Winnie the Pooh style commissions because he did a cover for Marvel uh, a couple of months ago, like a, an Avengers cover, and it was done in the style of Winnie the Pooh. And awesome. so he's drawing a Morning Glories Winnie the Pooh uh, commission for me. Oh, that's so, so cool! cool. Yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be awesome. So yeah, those those are you know, I guess I, like I said, you're like, oh, you just go on a tangent, but yeah, I definitely went on a tangent <laughs> yeah. there. Very cool, man. That's awesome. Um, do I have time for one more question? Absolutely, one more question. All right. Um, I noticed that you you seem to have a lot of like like manga Japanese um, influence. You said that you like that style. Yeah. Um, is there any? I have a suggestion for you, but is there any anime that you're a big fan of? 
Oh, yes. I, I do like to watch anime. Uh, well, you know, I, I mentioned Monster. Uh, I really like to watch uh, the the anime version of that one. That's really pretty well done, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, I, I college for me, I spent watching Evangelion. Yes. Uh, <laughs> love that. I love the rebuilds. I've been picking those up as they happen. I, I'm yeah. just dying for the, the third one. It's, I, my, fa- I, it's my favorite of all time. Uh, oh, yeah. Evangelion. So love good. It. Yeah, it's so good. Um, and then, like, uh, even stuff back to the 70s, like, uh, this, one of my favorites is this one called Star Blazers. Um, oh, yep, was, Star Blazers is awesome. Yeah, it yeah. is. Oh, it's so good. The first two series I like. I've actually never seen the third one because they're so hard to find. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, and, you know, movies like Vampire Hunter D. Yes. Um, yeah, I love that one. Um Trying to think, like, guys, I'm always looking for suggestions. You know, well, actually, another one that just recently I really got into series and a couple of movies was Eden of the East. Yes, uh, that was awesome. Yeah, yes, yeah, so good. I, I've been like, I have the the soundtrack on a playlist on YouTube, and I'll just play that while at work because <laughs> it's so cool. I love the soundtrack; it's so good. But yeah, yeah. If you got any suggestions, yeah, throw. I have one. I have one suggestion because I, I just um. Have you ever seen Summer Wars? No. Absolutely, positively, without a doubt, go and find Summer Wars on Blu-ray if possible. The colors of that film and the concept of that film will blow your mind. It's awesome. it's a movie. It's not like a series. Yeah, it's, it's not a it's, series. It's a film. It is awesome. okay. absolutely spectacular. So, oh, cool. Yeah, well, I think you'll really I'll dig it. For that one. Very cool. That's, right. my, that's my suggestion to add, <laughs> right. to, add to your list. <laughs> awesome. Um, so, well, Morning Glories 21, correct, is what is on the shelves right now? Yes. Yeah. Um, higher, when is your issue of Higher Earth coming out? Uh, you know, I don't have a date on that, but it should be it's in September. September 26th. Oh, Rob, oh, bring it on. <laughs> Retailer power right there. Yay. <laughs> um, and uh, obviously you're on Twitter, Joe. Uh, it's Super Joe, right? S-U-P-A right. Joe. Um, yep. Anything else you want to pimp before you get out of here? Um, no, I think that covers it. You know, Morning Glories. Uh, 21 and higher earth number five you know, please you know give higher earth a chance it was fun I'd, I'd love to do something like that again just no i'm not gonna leave morning glories but you know i'd, I'd love to be able to just kind of step out and do something fun like that every once in a while awesome well joe thank you so much for joining us um and we you guys we guys i just totally <laughs> we lost guys. we guys i've never hosted a podcast before in my entire life <laughs> uh, <laughs> We will see you guys next time on Talking Comics.